Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. And this is part two of a two-part series we have with Nick Shackelford. Part one, we talked mostly about his Twitterness, how he is Twittering about becoming kind of a prolific, one of the most fun guys I follow on Twitter for sure. Definitely check him out. We'll leave links to uh, his Twitter in the show notes. But on part two here, this is more for you, the agency owner, as well as you, the CMO, VP of marketing. If you're still freaked out about traffic because of iOS, Nick, myself, and Cosimo are going to be talking about exactly what we've been doing and what he's been doing specifically to counter that and the future of paid advertising just in general and the future of agencies. So if you're an agency owner, definitely uh, buckle up, put on your seatbelt here, grab your notepad. I think there's some pretty good ideas that we talk about and definitely uh, will help you, the agency owner, in the coming year. So without further ado, here is part two of our interview with Nick Shackelford. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. We've been talking here with Nick Shackelford about how he's been able to grow his Twitter following in an incredibly short period of time. 
and giving you guys a lot of tactical uh, ways in which he's been able to do that, as well as some things to really think about if you're maybe not on the Twitterverse. We're going to be talking more about probably Facebook ads stuff, as well as some agency things in why 2022 is probably the most challenging year in history for digital ad agencies. How about that, huh? It's the former radio guy. You're a professional. Well, that's why they pay me the big bucks. They don't pay me anything. (laughs) It all goes to Cossum. My $2 million IOU from Ryan Dice. Every show, his salary increases. Let's just say your your new salary, you've renegotiated your deal. It's $2.2 million per year. Yeah. That's why we need the positive reviews on iTunes in order to pay a salary. But it's it's not two point two million dollars. It's Tanzanian dinar. And- <laughs> it's, it's rupa. Yeah, exactly. It's Pakistani rupees. <laughs> like Forty five bucks. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, you know, at least you're worth something. Yeah. It's better than a bag of rocks, you know. All right, so welcome back to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. We have Nick Shackelford here, and we're going to be talking agency stuff and why 2022 is the most challenging year in the history of mankind since the pandemic of 1918, which I survived. It's actually, that's, these guys on this show, I hate it, but they're young and smart. And when I was their age, I was just young and stupid. So that's one of the reasons I think my mate and Kasim get along. Uh, But Nick is even younger but there was some question if, <laughs> whether or not I actually have lived through two pandemics. That was an earlier question on the pre-rock. So let's get into uh, agency stuff here. You referred back to obviously using your, your Twitter account to grow three different businesses. Talk about yeah. that and then impact of Facebook iOS, which has obviously been something I think we kind of connected first on Twitter about. And just your overall thoughts on the landscape right now that we're facing and and what's it looking like in 2022 so i thank you for the the lead in this is tremendous because there is uh i feel uniquely positioned to talk about this because we both grown significantly and then lost significantly in terms of brand acquisition and the brand churn so i'll be able to speak about this in a couple of different spaces from just like the performance side of managing the ads and then also like what what clients are acting like or, or what they're expressing or, or, or talking about, what solutions that we're having to kind of use. Um, but right now, I would say I released January, on January 1st, I released like a, an, up, an industry update of what iOS impact was going to be. And this just lived in like a, a link tree and I, it's just been existing. And there's 37,000 downloads to this. And it's at this point, it's a little bit dated. I think it's it could definitely use a refresh, but it has a good background of like what we are going to anticipate. And almost to the T, I wouldn't say it's perfect. I missed a couple of things. I didn't anticipate the adoption of like third-party tools and letting that be like the the uh, be-all end-all for like how we're going to navigate performance marketing moving forward. That's like that's the current space that we're in right now. Like. Brands that we have or brands that we're working with need to have like a, a North Beam, a Triple Whale, a High Rose, uh, uh, Get Elevar, some sort of tool that allows attribution or like how they're looking and reporting attribution um, happening for them. So I'm going to back up all the way. I, I jumped right into the deep end. I want to go back to the kiddie pool real quick. So I was. No, 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 no. I, I like where you just went. And I'm not going to ask you to, I don't want to derail your thought again, Nick, but I want to come back to this attribution topic because it's my favorite topic in the whole wide world. I think it's, and just full disclosure, I'm an early stage investor and advisor in Northbeam. So I, I, I want to get that out. So nobody thinks that I'm, I'm, you know, seeding my own, you know, interests, but 
It's so necessary. I am. But it's also, I, I was a user before I was an investor, it, it, you know, full disclosure. So let's, I, again, I keep, I keep interrupting you, but that's because everything you say is so interesting. Let's get back to attribution, but, but keep on with your train. No, in Austin, I just synced with Austin this weekend. So I'm excited to see like what, what he's got going and, and where he's, we love the product. So I'll, I'll caveat this. So we, on that train of thought of like where we are, December 7th, 1001 PST, we just finished Black Friday, Cyber Monday. We're prepping for like the, the next, what we have like a week and a half of, of pushing before everybody kind of like slows down on sales and then we turn into a new year, new me push. If we didn't have a Hyros or a North Beam on a day-to-day like way of measuring, looking at our ads, because we're not, we're not able to just make decisions in ad accounts anymore. We look at the ad account and then we have to look in what this tracker is looking like. And the only way we're able to increase budgets on a, on a consistent or, or a confident basis is this if we're looking at a separate tool, which is good and bad, like good because there's a way of actually being able to do it and manage the ads bad because now you need another separate tool. That's going to cost you cash that you have to bake into the overall margin to make, make sure you're actually making money in terms of what you're spending. That, that is where it's really difficult for brands. And again, why I'm speaking about this is I released my very first like course or, or, or like content thing ever with founder. And that, was targeted at the market of first time or, or new users on the Facebook. And the, what, what, what happened is they jump onto the platform thinking that I can make a, my business grow and be, be efficient by just running Facebook ads. And all of a sudden you can't look at accounts the way you were and make a day-to-day decision and try to grow it as consistent as you were in January, February, then March started hitting. And so it's, it leaves me going like, can new businesses with no previous exist or previous experience continue to grow just on a single channel anymore? And I'm and I'm sitting here going like, I don't know. I conf- I really do not know because the investment of paid media is not necessarily on just the channel, but it's on the understanding of the type of content needed to put into each channel and the feedback loop of that content to create more of this. This is the thing everybody forgets as soon as you start running paid ads. You need to have a backlog or a consistent inbound of content to test because I'm not going to be able to do the same structures or same uh, campaign hacks that I was before to make shit work if the, if the selling proposition or offer is not where it needs to be. That is, that is like I, people have to understand where this is going. And for newer brands, they just like, I'm not investing in that. I, I have paid ads. I'll let my one run ad, like, then that's it. I'll run maybe one, two, three versions, and eh, Facebook doesn't work, is what you're saying. Like, that's what the the little guys are doing, the people that aren't approaching it the right way. Well, it, yeah, you, Ralph, you, you, the amount of, let's, you've probably seen over a thousand brands come and go, like, to some degree, like, at ever various levels, right? You, the amount of brands coming in and out. The brands that stay or continue to grow, is be probably because they have a consistent amount of content and they have an understanding of like why their product is selling. If they don't have those two and they're just like, I'm on paid ads and Facebook allowed my company to grow up until this point, that's not a business. You just got really, really lucky. Like we, we made our first batch of money on fidget spinners in 2017. There was no way I should have made money and built a company on fidget spinners in 2017. But Facebook was like, nah, it's okay. That, that makes sense. Here's your, here's your CPMs. You should continue to grow. That's the reason why the company doesn't exist anymore. It wasn't a company. It was like 
that was a thing that was we an did offer on and here we are yeah, exactly <laughs> it was an offer not a business yeah no yep yeah, i mean we've, we've seen a lot not succeed because they're a one-trick pony or they refuse to reinvent themselves in one way shape or form or introduce new products because oh this used to work two three years ago why doesn't it now i mean we've even had agency customers come to us with the same product like well this used to work like and now we've got you know pretty good checks and balances in place to make sure like that was this a 2020 thing is this an ios thing like why is it like what fundamentally is the issue here if the issue is is that you're an offer and not a business then it's just not going to work like it'll work for a short period of time i think you can you can fool the algorithm for a short period of time with fidget spinners you know you could be a fidget spinner company but then you know ultimately it's not a sustainable model and i think that's where that that's to facebook's point when the ios thing happened like they did point to the small business and say they're yeah. really going to be hurt. And I do think they were hurt, but this might sound callous, but in some cases, some of those businesses didn't <laughs> deserve deserve <laughs> to exist in the first place. And that's totally sounds callous. I, I, I get it. And maybe we'll have lots of mean tweets about that and maybe with some really bad reviews. The point is, is like, I do think this is just, an, this is another shakeout. And to your point, if you don't have different modalities in which to bring in customers or offers, products, um, messaging, like the messaging part is just, I wrote an email about it. This is what I do now is I write emails, but, you know, to our list and all that sort of stuff, which I actually enjoy. But the point is, it's like, you know, everything's changed. I think we as advertisers got lazy. Did we just lose Nick? I saw him throw up a middle finger and then just click right off. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did it. Pissed off yet another guest. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think was he was actually, he was giving the middle finger to you though. I That's think. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Kasim here and I have a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your website? Now, I know that sounds crazy, but seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully target your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. That means you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and then safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. I've personally met the CEO, Adam Robinson, and the guy is absolutely brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for PT listeners. If you are an e-commerce brand that's doing over a million in annual revenue and you've gone through their easy 30-minute onboarding process, if you don't 5X your investment within the first six months, they will give you all of your money back. To take advantage of this offer, go to getemails.com forward slash scalable. That's getemails.com forward slash scalable. Hey, PT listeners, when's the last time your business published on its blog? If the answer is that's way too long for me to remember, 
I want you to listen up because our friends at BKA Content have a new service where they'll deliver fresh blogs to your inbox and all you have to do is just post them on your site. Now, these articles are all originally written just for your business. They're not generic articles that are just copy and pasted or thrown into some AI software or written by a VA. No, these are professional writers who are going to sit down and write articles just for your business. We've used them in the past, and they're absolutely fabulous. Now, if you want an extra reason to go try them yourself, BK is giving PT listeners half off their first month. Just go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual to get started. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. We're, we're talking about like the day you, th- you knew that you kind of made it, and it was... For Kasim, it was going to Chipotle and being able to order the guac on his Oh, and, and, bowl, and I would not, imagine. Be afraid. not be afraid. Not be afraid. And not be afraid. There, there's and, a little context there. I yeah. won't spend too much time on it, but I dude, I like I think all of us have some level of entrepreneurial PTSD. And I was so broke that I wasn't eating. I would go to my dad had an expired Costco card that I stole from him before he moved. And I'd go to Costco on the weekends and I would I knew the shift changes of the free tryout people because I would go make the rounds and eat all the free food. And then I would wait for them to like swap and then I would do it again. And that was lunch like I was, you know, <laughs> next to destitute. And uh, so Chipotle was close to my house and it was walking distance because gas was hard. And I remember the day when I when she was like, do you want the guacamole? And it's like a buck 80 or whatever. Like it's it's absurd. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I can have. I can have the guacamole. This is unbelievable. Like I'm, I'm a successful entrepreneur now with my, with my big dollop of guacamole. So that was my moment. And then Ralph had one. Ralph, you've got, a, I think, a better story, maybe a little less depressing. <laughs> well, it came in two stages. It was the first one was that I have MacBook Pro, which is still the same MacBook Pro. I realized that, you know, when I was traveling, I was pulling the cord out from the home office and then I'd have to put it in my bag. And one time I almost forgot it. I'm like, I remember getting to that point. I was like, I can buy a second cord and I can keep one in my bag and it never goes anywhere because I always know it's going to be in there. So when I travel or go to wherever, it'll always be there. And the kicker was that I bought the Apple cord, not the cheap knockoff ones that you get on Amazon. So that was the first one. The second one was like when I got to the next level was we were going away on vacation. and My son Eli was in the car and I was like, oh, crap, I'm going away for a week. And this is before I would like take actual vacations. It's like, I forgot my MacBook. It's like, let's go to the Portland, Maine Apple store. And, hey. and I got a second MacBook. And, <laughs> and the funny thing is my son Eli, I remember that he's like, that's exactly when I knew that you would be able to pay for my college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but tell him where you like go to. And then, of course, he went to Dartmouth, which is like $77,000 a year. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, John, I, I feel that. We did, I did St. Louis University, which was like way more expensive than it needed to be. Well, we were talking about businesses that did not survive in me being callous about the fact that some of them just – shouldn't have survived it shouldn't shouldn't have been there in the first place because they were so traffic channel dependent and offer dependent i believe that's where we left off is that correct castle that's exactly right okay and i I was burned i was i'm with you on this one i've said this multiple times like these traffic sources made brands or businesses that should not have been made or built because 
there it, it was just so simple so easy to use oh it was and it was uh i got i, I definitely got uh i definitely got canceled for posting about like for us like we 2020 was a problem was for most people in this digital space 2020 was a, a a good year in terms of revenue in terms of growth in terms of uh brands like it was a good year and so i think for us on the traffic side of things, I don't like developing products. I don't like going to manufacture. I don't like to do any of those things. I like to figure out after that fact, after it's already been built and ready to run. And so now like when we have a brand come to us, we're asking questions that we never have to ask before, which I'm sure you guys do too. It's like, oh, is this, what is, will this product work? Will this not work? Is it a fad? Is it an offer? And ours is like, do you have revenue from email and SMS? That's more than 20%. That's like the minimum that we need to take on. And if they are like, oh, well, our list is 25,000, 50,000. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. But is there already something established at this point? Are they wanting to come back? Which usually does what? It allows us to know, like, okay, they have multiple products they're selling or they have the ability of dropping new products so that make them kind of come back. That's the thing that we really tr truly care about. Is it a consumable, et cetera? But if they're taking other channels serious and not just relying on like, oh, I need the, you guys to lower my CAC or those conversations around lowering CAC, that's a brand that we want to be a part of. That's the brand we want to be in bed. Mm. How many clients do you have, Nick? Um, where it sits right now, we have 116. Yeah. Did I love people that know their numbers? Uh, that's always to. really impressive to me. Yeah. <laughs> this. So, no, go ahead. This is a size in which we... It's, it's across everything, right? But I think the on the just the pure agency side of things... The, the most interesting thing there is the brands that don't, and I'll, I'll throw this back over to you, Burns, the brands that don't use us for everything, I'm always, I'm always like, why not have it all under one roof? Before, I think it was like, I want a specialist in FB, I want a specialist in Google, I want a specialist in email and SMS. Like, why not just, I want you all talking to the same people, I want you all in unison, why are you not going that way? And, and even when we talk about our pitch or think about it, they're like, ah, I think that cost is too much. And I'm, I'm this close to making like a slide on when I talk to people going like, here's the cost it would take for you to hire someone in-house. And here's the cost it would take for you to hire someone or a team like any agency to kind of do all these areas for you. I'm this close, but I'm, I'm, I'm not there. What's your thoughts on this? I like the arc of services model. Today I do. 10 years ago, I didn't because I think it was... You, know, you could be a Facebook ad agency. I mean, I guess we were one of the first ones back in 2011, sure. 2012. Um, and grew probably more slowly than we probably could have and all that, but we still grew and that's what we were sort of known for. I think now it's come back full circle. I think it's the it's market has changed. My, my thinking on that has drastically changed. And I do think an arc of services arrangement is very helpful the, the real question is, is in the performance space, does it exist all under one roof? And I think it's very yeah. rare to find that. It's almost like you have to independent, you have to independently operate as silos that still communicate and share resources. And ultimately those are the guys I think that are going to win. And I think that's the new business model for this entire space, which edges out the small guy. You know, like yep. we were talking about before, it's like, there's almost no space for, like there's plenty of, and there's lots of listeners on this show who have listened to this show for five or six years. And like, maybe you're one of them and said, wow, I can actually do that. Low barrier to entry. It's just me and a VA. I can go out. I'm pretty good at selling. I can probably market a few things. 
you know, parlay my experience. I can do it on the side while I work full time. So I don't piss off my wife or significant other. Like it's an easy model, like tips and tricks on Facebook. Holy crap. I'll just like do the Michigan method or do this or whatever, like ads lab, creative lab, I'll steal all these other sorts of things, you know, listen to all these gurus about what works, what doesn't work. That's really hard to do now. Unless you have a, from my perspective, like as an agency, unless you have a major infrastructure for creative design, in-house video, you've got copy chiefs, which we have like the most amazing staff when it comes to just the ideation of ads and what the messaging is. And we've created internal SOPs to be able to do this, to be able to produce it mass scale and have super high quality that takes a lot of money. You can't do it all on your own unless you're just a genius on like doing it all on your own. Like you could probably do it as a one man band, do it pretty good. But as soon as you scale to the next level, training that staff and, and hiring the best, your costs all of a sudden it makes this model very, very challenging. And I think there's a huge shakeout right now in the agency space or the consulting space as a result of that, because things aren't as easy. You just can't turn on your Facebook ads. We write about this all the time. I'm sure it's probably, this would be good tweets, I would guess, is that, you know, the advertising agency, the marketing agencies and marketing and advertising in general has gotten lazy because the algorithms were so damn good. It was so damn easy. And those days are gone. And so now it's back to old school copywriting and old school messaging. And, you know, I just had my copy chief create a, a report that we're going to be using in our marketing. I think he put in a thousand hours on it. Wow. It's like, you can't, like, I don't know how, like, like 49 resources, like that's how deep you have to go right now to understand your avatar. In my opinion, if you're going to do it at a really high level and that costs money. You, Again, like this is why I follow you. This is why I listen to the things that you say because it's you're you're not too big to forget like what needs to happen or what people need to do to be that really want to build a business, really, really want to build a space in this. And I really commend you for that because you've what you've just said was like people could still do this. You could probably look, price yourself lower than the market. You could probably be the one man or two man, three man band, and you can probably get a couple clients at three to five k for sure. Now, if you're trying to scale this and move it into a different direction, you listen, we we it's December 7th. We spent nine plus months breaking even or losing money on building a content studio department, content creation thing, because we knew that that's where we have to go for 2022. Willingly lose money on hiring, firing, growing, and, and making decisions because we know that that's going to support email, SMS, and social. There's no way. There's no way that you can move or even think about wanting to write and you are already ahead of it doing the copy stuff because listen i never had to use an advertorial to sell baby pajamas until 2021 <laughs> that was never even in my mind like how is this even why are we having to do this i used to do a really cool ad have the right price point right right price point and it worked now you Get have targeting to, like you said, yep no no there's it's no easy. way there's no way image ad you know <laughs> that's all you need. You need Canva or you need, you know, snag it like on the product page. There's your ad. doesn't work now. So we, when I sit here and go like, okay, you have to, and I do think that lower market, this is funny because we are, like, I'm having conversations with uh, strategic and PEs and looking at like, Hey, what does it look, what do multiples look like in this space? I know this is not something that you are, are, are thinking about for your, you and your team, 
But I'll tell you, when, when you are thinking about potentially going to market, they're looking at shops that are in our, our EBITDA range and the shops that are looking at like, we're hoping to double EBITDA where we're going to be next year. Just being in double figure EBITDA range can yield anywhere between 8 to 13x EBITDA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a buddy that just made an exit and he had a 13 to 15 X somewhere in that range, which I, I, that to me sounds like fairy tale numbers. You know, I'm used to hearing six, eight, 10 is like the most, but he's like, dude, liquidity is so high and people are, are, you know, if, if you, if you have blue chip clients and strong retention and the right contracts, an agency can get, you know, it's unreal. I just, I can't believe that. That blows me away. Do you know what? Do you know why? And I'm, 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 I can go on this place for a little bit too, is because, People, we were fearful that like, dude, this is the year we got to get the numbers this year, 2021. This is where the uh, money's cheap to borrow. Like they're not going to start pulling back. They're not going to start tapering. Like that that word in the market is like tapering, 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 inflation, inflation, inflation. We we are small fish. There's hundreds of millions of dollars that people are just sitting on because of how well they've been doing for years and how much money they got this year. They are ready to deploy in 2021, 2022, and 2023. Like there's, there's no fear. If you build the right business and continue to go, you're going to get, the, okay, listen, you might not get your 10X, but boy, you're going to get a nice eight. You're going to get a nice nine. You might even on the low end, you might get a six. That's still a 30 plus million dollar exit. If you're, if you're pulling in the correct numbers, there is a buyer. Yeah. I mean, eight figure EBITDAs in this space get double digit multiples. It's just I mean, it's crazy to think about uh, and there's multiple escalation as you actually aggregate and grow and get bigger. And which is, which is, I think unique in this space in a lot of ways, but if you're too yeah. small, you're too small and nobody's going to pay attention to you. So it's like, you have to sort of reach a certain level. You know, we've talked about this before Cosm. It's got to be like at least a seven, it's got to be at least a seven figures EBITDA for yep. pegs to even look at you. And well, you're I, not a real I, company until you're at seven figures, right? You haven't actually reached a, a level of scale that proves viability. I think very few will will go that route, but also I think it's just the law of returns for a private equity group is that they have to guarantee a return to their investors. And anything lower than a seven-figure range is just too small for it to really matter for them. Like, And that's a really, really small group. So, But you're, you're absolutely right, Nick. It's like in the agency space in general, and just in just in general, the amount of private equity investment that's sitting on the sidelines right now or is being deployed, you know, I don't think I've read this figure before. I can't stand, I don't remember where I read this, but all the private equity money in the world, if you translated it into gold, you could pave every road on the entire world, in globe, in 12 inches of gold. So that's, all that that's tells how us much. is that's, there is that's so much money. currency there is and how worthless <laughs> the dollar actually is. And a reason we should be back on the gold standard. That's right. If we only had that much gold, I guess we don't have that yeah. much gold. If we only so, had, that's exactly It's right. crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Let's not even go into that, you know, currency wow. question about like what's fed. a dollar versus crypto and all that. Like what is that, you know? Anyway, the point is, is like, yes, it absolutely is. I, and I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation in the space for the right types of agencies. And I think a lot of agencies aren't going to make it. I, so even to tie it back down, depending on where the users would be or the smaller agencies and teams, I would, I would continue to build, even if you're a team, if you're operating in a pod of like, 
you're a founder, you're a solo founder, but you're still executing and you're able to like get a little bit of stability, you know, it's going to be a little bit difficult out there. I, like you mentioned, I think it's going to be tough for, for the smaller shops to continue to grab the business, especially if they're not actively spending on acquiring new customers or, or producing enough content to kind of do it the organic way. Right. There's nothing wrong with taking some chips off the table, rolling up into a larger org or a medium sized org and guaranteeing that paycheck that you, that you might need for a little bit before you kind of like go off and do something else. That's something that we, we love having those conversations. I think there's a lot of, a lot of smaller agencies or mid sized agencies that are willing to have those talks, go establish yourself. You did great. Go build up within an, a big organization. Have, have you guys thought about acquiring or, or, or gobbling up any smaller teams? I want to acquire small Google ads agencies. It's not, it's the, this, my LinkedIn bio right now is now, but here's the, the thing. And this is where I think I, I make a departure from both of you. And I'm acutely aware, by the way, that I think both y'all are, are larger than I am from a gross revenue standpoint. We stand at about 5 million right now. Okay. I only do Google ads. That's it. We used to be a full funnel agency and I niched down and I did that. And it's, it's, I'm, this isn't a hill that I want to die on. I'll just say I couldn't be good at everything. I was incapable of it. So if I brought in a client, because we tried, I tried to do, you know, we did their SEO and their web and their social and their content and their video and their Google and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I tried desperately and dearly, but it was always stressful. And the more I niched down, the better I got and the less stressful it got. And now, and I hope you'll forgive this because I'm about to be arrogant. We're the best Google ads agency in the world. And I really mean that. Nobody knows what I know about Google ads specifically. Um, I, there was a, a, a mastermind recently, Cole Gordon's mastermind. It was here in Scottsdale. And my buddy, Chris Brewer, who owns OMG Commerce, he spoke uh, briefly and he said, you know, there are probably 10, maybe 15 agencies on the planet that actually know how to run Google ads well. And I believe that to be the case. I think it's so hard. I think it's a triple PhD endeavor. And I think to have the systems, the people, the processes, you know, to understand what software to use, what software not to use, when to believe Google, when not to believe Google. It's been nothing short of brain and rocket and spine surgery. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's 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 just such a science. And I it it, it intimidates me to think that I would try to do Google and anything else. It just it, it terrifies me. And maybe that's we do Google at a really high level. Maybe if we were dealing with clients that it wasn't their bread and butter and it wasn't the only thing they were looking at. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm not trying to be too challenging because it's, I don't want to approach this conversation with hubris. I'm humbled by the fact that y'all are able to do what you can do. I couldn't do it. I think it's an interesting question because it goes back to like the conversation that's always in my head is like, am I an acquirer or am I an acquiree? I guess that's two different things. Am I the one who's acquiring or I'm, am I the one that's getting acquired? Hmm. And you know, we're all in the agency space. We all get those emails. So like, oh, dude, it's two, two a week now. You know, like they know what's going on. And that just tells me the market right now is hot. The point is, is like even what I was talking about before, it's harder for other agencies to make it if you're just starting out. People still need services like this. Yep. Like that's never going to go away. The reason why I my first job out of school was sales because I always knew I would have a job if I knew how to sell stuff. Like that's the basis of business. Business doesn't happen until somebody sells something. And it's usually a sales guy. So I'm like, I need to go out and learn how to do that. Even though, you know, I was scared shitless going out of my first sales calls. The point is, is I learned how to do it. 
And I always sort of remember that. It's like, if you know how to sell somebody else's product or you know how to sell, then you'll always have a job. So every mom and pop business that's out there is going to need, either they learn how to do it on their own or they're going to need somebody to do their digital for them. So there is always going to be the market for it. So, you know, all the agencies that are listening and the consultants that are listening, I'm not trying to paint this as a picture like, oh my God, you're screwed. The point is, is you're always going to need to know, people are going to need your services to be the best and the best in the world at it. That takes capital. It really does, you know, or expertise or the barriers to entry to be so good are so high right now. The barrier Mm -hmm. to entry in our market is pretty low. Guy on a laptop, it's all you need, or a guy on a laptop and maybe a VA or two, like you can start and you'll probably get some business. But like I said, to that next level into like even higher levels, like kind of where I guess we're all at, it's like, man, it's, it's much harder to make it work. And I do think arc of services overall is the, the future of this business in performance um, marketing it, because I think the enterprise and the mid-sized business is woken up after COVID to say, holy crap, I need that stuff. <laughs> it's like the big you brands and the big six, you know, I, I got those guys, but they don't know how to do all this. And it's crazy to think that they don't, but they don't. So we're going to be no, in the end. I've just been sitting. I, I, I hope this thing never ends because I've been, I've been missing this high level of conversation about, about these topics for quite a while because because I wish we were just a Facebook shop. We were a Facebook shop all the way until we acquired um, Balance Labs, which was email and SMS, in like a, a year and a half, two years ago. And then we acquired a, a smaller Facebook shop. So we are we have acquired, we've thought about acquiring, we are consistently trying to acquire. And for Amazon, I'm cons- contemplating like we're not going to be the best at that, but we have partnerships that like we probably need to hire a lead. And does it make more sense financially to to train and grow in an area that we aren't experts in or hire, acquire and provide them resources to go build out their team. So like that, that's the level in which we have to start thinking about things. And it goes in, in my mind, I'm like, we always were really good at Facebook ads. And then Facebook ads by itself, currently ads itself can't be the only reason why you win because now you have to have a North Beam or a Triple Whale or, or these other solutions that are actually pulling in attribution. And you're going like, shit, you probably should be on Google too. And you probably should have a little bit of Amazon as well. And then I'm going like, do I want to lose that revenue and growth by referring to other people? Or do I was like, or can I, as already establishing the point of trust with this brand that I've already been producing for, will they give me the ability to execute for them at a reduced rate to prove that we can do it? And those are the conversations now that we're having to have to have. And we never had to have those because, and I think Ralph, you, I'll, I'll double down on this with you as well, brothers. There's there's a place in the market for a founder that's growing a company that wants to talk about the founder that's running their ads, like a founder to founder relationship that they really, really want, want to keep. So a smaller shop that's charging between a, a thousand to 5,000 in that range is always going to get business because there's a lot of brands that don't want to pay seven, 10, 15, 20. That's just, and that's just how it is, especially as the, the global market starts to pick up. You can get brands in Australia and United Kingdom and all these other places that they're like, hey, we know we need to come to the U.S. market. Why would I hire a shop in the U.K. that hasn't even done the U.S. market or lives in it? You're still getting a lot of people having to jump on board. And you briefly talked about it, about like, hey, you're getting 2020 was a a shot in the arm, pun intended, 
um, about people wanting to jump onto to social and wanting to like, I need to sell online because I can't open my doors. 2021 was rehearsal. 2022 is where we really figured it out because you, you had a lot of big fortune 500, 150 companies hire some, some head of growths and hire some e-commerce directors that most likely didn't know what they were doing, but they were in that circle and they were able to share and have conversations. And there, and there's some brands going like, well, we set revenue targets that were way up here and we didn't even come anywhere close to it because they probably were the wrong ones. But the people that they hired and we've experienced this first firsthand didn't have the balls to say like, yo, you're not going to hit these targets. We need to readjust this because it was their job on the line that they didn't want to get rid of. So now you have agencies that are, are knowing how to produce rev and know how to do what they do. And all we need is to have that right introduction, that one person that's going to step out of their way and not have to justify their job or their role and let them do what they need to do. And that is what's going to happen in 2022 because a lot of people set targets this year that ended flat. And we know that. We saw that. We experienced that. We're like, hey, listen, whether it was going to be – and think about this this collaboration of things that happened this year. You had a second-year pandemic, which people thought it was going to be over. You had a worldwide shutdown and starting to starting to loosen up, which means some – discretional income was starting to flow towards trips and plans, et cetera. Then you had shipping issues. Then you had inflation complaints. Then you had a lot of people spending money on NFTs and crypto. Then you had a bunch more people putting into uh, the stock market. People were pulling out of bonds. So they were liquidating. And also that, when does that happen in a single year? So, so, so how could you even think about this, not the leveling off or, or becoming more established in 2022 and 2023, when a lot of these problems are going to slow down, yet everybody had to jump on this e-commerce bandwagon in 2021. This is where my brain, this is why I tweeted it literally, and I'm going to go back to this because this is the theme. I tweeted yesterday, 2022 is going to be the best year for digital e-commerce and online marketing, and it popped off. And everyone's like, absolutely. Oh, and crypto and this and that, because there is... Uh, an, uh, an awakening and an understanding that this can't just be a, a line item or a thing that we need to participate in. It's a thing that we need to focus around. That's why I love it. Yeah. If, if let me, you're let me get doing off myself it, off real quick. No. As long as you don't unplug your laptop. <laughs> <laughs> we had a little power outage here at Perpetual Traffic a little while back. If you, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, to your point, and I'll, I'll end on this, is that this is a frightening thing. And this is the reason why I'm optimistic about the agency space in general, even though I sort of sound like it was gloom and doom, but I'm still optimistic about it, is that there was a study by Deloitte, had to look that up, how to actually pronounce it, by the way, that only 5% of CMOs are highly confident in their ability to impact the overall direction of the business. That is 95% of CMOs lack the confidence that they can demonstrate financial impact on their company's business. And I would submit that a lot of that has to do with performance marketing. It's incredible how many people are in positions right now. It's one of the reasons why we talk to CMOs and VPs of marketing. Like that's our wheelhouse. Like we know we can help them solve their problems and yeah. help save their bacon and save their jobs. Same time, it's because so many don't know how to do it. And that's where the real that's where the cream is going to rise to the top in the agency space. And I think, you know, you can still do well. You know, with the mom and pop small businesses, you can in a small shop, but like they're never going to be able to afford us. 
It's like, because we've got all these high-powered weapons and all these other sorts of things that we do. And I'm not like sitting here like touting tier 11 like we're so freaking great. There's plenty of great agencies that are out there. Well, there's only one best Google ad agency, though, as we know on this show. <laughs> I mean, come on. I don't know who that is. But anyway, the point is, is like, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about 2022. And when I said in the teaser that it's the most challenging, it's because of all this, because of this sort of dichotomy of worlds. If you're anywhere in the middle and you're mediocre, you're sucking in 2022. I will say that. Well, Nick Shackelford, this has been absolutely awesome to get you on the show. Finally, after like 17 cancellations, um, we've we've like run the gamut here. We've gone Twitter, we've gone to your, you know, to your affection for the outdoors. You look like an outdoors guy, but now we know that you don't you know, have enough money to pay the power bill. Uh, all, all the way through to Facebook ads and and agency life. It's been awesome having you on here. Uh, if people want to connect with you, I mean, we're, you're all over the Twitterverse, of course, but uh, where can people connect with Nick Shackleford? No, I love it. Thank you very much. I am Shackleford on Twitter and I am Nick Shackleford on Instagram. And uh, again, thank you too for continuing to create incredible content, uh, Fan Forever. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, we'll, we'll do what we can here. Well, you know, even though like our ending here is about our Twitter handles, like I, I think we need to, I don't know, talk about a way in which we can up our game personally, Kasim and myself on Twitter. But thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure that you do leave a positive review. It really does help us, especially on iTunes. It helps us get to a wider audience and help digital marketers and advertisers and CMOs and even agencies. Those agency guys want to help you too get you to a, a wider uh, audience here by leaving a positive comment on iTunes. We will actually, we will be saying those aloud on this show here at Cosm, as we've done in previous episodes. So uh, subscribe and leave a rating whenever you're, wherever you're listening. iTunes is the big one. You can also follow me and Cosm on Twitter. I'm at Ralph HB. And Kasim is at Kasim Haslam because he's the only Kasim Haslam in the entire Twitterverse. And make sure you, it doesn't, like, the only one that matters, that's it. So go back and listen to previous episodes. We'll leave all the links in the show notes here, as well as ways in which you can get in touch with uh, Nick uh, over at perpetualtraffic.com from my awesome wow. co-host Kasim. Till next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 